We took a little break for uh, Christmas from our Hebrews series. We still got the decorations up, but we're going back to Hebrews today. Um, we're going to be looking at chapter 8, which is a really good place for us to come back to. Um, in chapter 8, the writer wants to try to uh, get our attention and, and just to make sure we know um, exactly uh, what he's talking about. Um, before I read it, um, these six verses, but, but also really the next few chapters, I just want to let you know, we, we get into some kind of deep uh, territory. Uh, we spent a few weeks talking about Melchizedek, if you remember that, uh, back in uh, November. But now he's going to start talking about uh, the sanctuary. He's going to start talking about uh, the covenant. And some of that might seem a little, a little foreign to you. But let me just encourage you, like, don't glaze over uh, during these parts. Uh, the writer, uh, he is telling us about reality here. And actually, what, what we're going to read this morning forms uh, the center um, of the whole book. So uh, let's give our attention uh, to the reading of God's Word. If you don't have a Bible with you, we do have it printed for you there in the bulletin. Uh, this is Hebrews uh, chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 6. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest... One who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. God, we thank you for your word, and we pray now that you would bless it to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, my wife Nan and I have been watching uh, a show called Alone. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's on the History Channel. It's sort of a survival uh, game show. Uh, contestants are, are dropped off uh, in the wilderness with a tarp and a few tools. And, and the winner is just whoever uh, can stay the longest. Uh, if, you, if you've watched this show uh, you start to realize uh, after just a few episodes that it's not just about who knows how to make a fire and, and who knows how to catch fish. Uh, a big part of the show is just who uh, will not uh, give up. Uh, who is going to persevere? And, and the contestants, are, they're really challenged uh, to believe uh, what they can't see. Uh, that if that if they will hold on another day, they get a little closer to the chance to win uh, that prize, that half a million dollars. All while their bodies are telling them, all you have to do is click this button and you can go home. Uh, you, could, you can take a shower and have a hot meal. Uh, you could sleep in your own bed tonight. So as, as you think about 
uh, your life, and maybe, maybe especially as you think about uh, the year 2020, and you think about how you reacted, uh, think about the priorities uh, that showed up for you last year. Uh, was your life characterized uh, by hope? Was it characterized by a kind of anxious appetite for relief? Or does it reflect faith uh, in what you can't see? Well, the whole uh, letter to the Hebrews is about the need uh, to persevere. Uh, this congregation uh, had already suffered uh, for their faith. And although they were uh, ethnically uh, Jewish, uh, they were likely banned uh, from the temple and the synagogue and, and all that would have felt uh, familiar to them. And so many of them were tempted to return back uh, to some form uh, of Judaism. And not just for the familiarity, uh, but to escape the suffering uh, that had come along with being a Christian. And so the writer's uh, urgent message to them is that we must not fall away from the living God. Uh, we must uh, press on in faith to the end. And so as they were losing hope, they needed a reason uh, to keep going. Uh, they needed a reason uh, to believe. And so the writer says in verse 1, hey, this is the point. And what he does is he wants to draw our attention back to Jesus. Uh, you must not fall away because of who Jesus is. You must not fall away because of what he has done. And so the person and work of Jesus Christ are at the center uh, of this letter because they are at the center of our perseverance. The goal of Hebrews is not that you would know how to read the Old Testament better, although it can help you with that. It's not that you would even have more accurate information about who Jesus is. The goal is that you would persevere to the end by faith in Christ, in the power of Christ, that you would Know and experience the peace that he has won for you and that he offers to you in the gospel. So don't let, uh, don't let the simplicity here uh, fool you. Uh, this is what you need to know. If you want to make it to the end, consider we have such a high priest, he says. Uh, specifically, uh, this is one who is both king and priest in heaven. Uh, he begins by telling us that he's seated uh, at the right hand of the throne of the majesty uh, in heaven. Now, uh, when I was growing up, uh, my dad, uh, he had a chair. Uh, some of you might have experienced uh, something like this. Um, anyone could sit on the couch. Uh, and you, you, could sit in, you could sit in dad's chair if he wasn't around. But if he was in the room, well, there, there wasn't really uh, even a question, right? It was sort of his, um, his little throne. <laughs> uh, it was his place of honor. Uh, and, and in some kind of way, the, the chair itself even sort of uh, communicated uh, his place uh, in the family. Uh, well, the language here in verse 1 
Uh, It recalls something the writers already said uh, back in chapter 1, that God the Son is the one who sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Uh, You might think of of Daniel 7, where one like a son of man is presented before the ancient of days, and he is given dominion and glory and a kingdom. So having taken his seat, we're told, uh, Jesus, he is in the position of supreme uh, honor here. And this position communicates uh, his authority. Uh, And just to Just to be clear, in case you misunderstood the illustration about my dad's chair, uh, Jesus does not sit down because he's tired from a long day. Uh, He's not sitting down because he's lazy and he just wants to bark out orders for someone to bring him dinner. Uh, He has been granted this seat as his rightful place. And he's not just like a king. He is the king of all creation and of heaven and earth, and that means he is powerful to save. He is able. If you are his subject, that means you belong to him, that you are not your own, that he is the king of your life and of your family and of your free time, and that you are to live for him, and it is no burden but a great privilege one that should bring us the most profound sense of gratitude and peace to belong to him Uh, if you saw uh, the Downton Abbey movie uh, last year you know the 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 premise of the movie is that the king and the queen are 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 coming uh, to Downton and it's not just it's not just the Lord and the, and the lady of the house uh, that are excited. It's actually um, everyone in the house, all the servants, and the whole town uh, is excited and scrambling uh, to get ready for the king and queen to come. And so there's a scene where uh, the chef in the house, uh, she goes into town uh, to get some food to make preparations. And as she's talking with the grocer, and, and he becomes aware of what this food is going to be for, he begins to cry. Um, And he says, my father would be so proud to know that his bread was going to be eaten by the king. And so uh, we're we're never to be proud uh, uh, to be Christians. Uh, We won't bring anything uh, to the table, but it is our great honor uh, to belong to him and to be called by his name Uh, more than just his subjects he calls us his brothers and his sisters Uh, friends we can persevere because the king of all creation is our king Uh, and and before before we move on to his his priesthood let me just say one more thing about this Um, the honor Uh, that we have uh, to be called by his name, uh, this is an honor uh, that should extend uh, to the whole church, uh, to the king's uh, people. Uh, A man who who loves his country, uh, he he knows it's not perfect, but he loves it because um, it's part of him, because his own 
um, history is, is bound up with the country. And we all know that the church is not perfect, but it is made up of souls uh, for whom our king shed his own blood. And so we are uh, to honor um, his church as his bride. So Christ is a, is a king, uh, as the last few chapters have shown us. He's also a priest. And again here, uh, the writer tells us we have uh, such a high priest. But as he kind of presses into uh, this main point, uh, he reminds us that he is not like, he is not like any other Old, Old Testament priest. Uh, verse 3 uh, makes it clear that a, a priest must have something to offer. Uh, that's what a priest does. Uh, priests offer uh, sacrifices. Uh, but this high priest, uh, chapter 7 told us, has already offered up himself uh, once for all. And so he is a priest who sat down. Uh, no other priest ever sat down in the tabernacle because their work was never Done, but Christ's one offering was sufficient to cover the sins of all of his people throughout all of history. All of your sins. Uh, there is no need uh, to pursue any other way to cover your guilt and your shame, not, not through the old covenant system or any other thing that you can think of. Now, I would be pretty surprised uh, to learn that any of you uh, suffered this temptation uh, to turn back uh, to the Old Testament tabernacle system of worship. Uh, but that's not to say we don't have anything uh, to learn here. Every temptation to appease your guilt with your own effort. Now, every temptation to cover your shame with more good works, rather than look to our great high priest who offered himself, it is the same temptation that they had. Um, I once heard a story uh, about a woman who, he, she, was, she was troubled uh, by this kind of famous evangelistic question uh, when you meet God and he says, why should I let you into heaven? How are you going to answer? And so she was talking to her pastor about this. Her pastor gave um, great advice. He says, because of the righteousness of Jesus alone. And the first thing she saw was, oh, I hope I remember to say that. You see how prone we are to depend on ourselves? Just to skip over uh, what, what Jesus has done and cling to something, just anything that we could do or that we could think or that we might just remember to say. But the writer says Jesus sat down. He doesn't need anything from you. The way of perseverance is not in you. But it is by faith in his finished work. He's the king and the priest who sat down. But in another sense, uh, he, is, uh, he is still at work. And, and the writer wants us to see here uh, that his work is done in heaven. That is, 
Uh, he, he is not a sacrificing priest, but as verse 2 says, he continues to minister uh, in the holy places, um, sanctuary in some translations, and what he calls the true tent. Uh, true here is not, it's not in contrast to what is false, uh, but in contrast to what is earthly and symbolic. Uh, true here means something like a genuine uh, or the real thing. Uh, it is uh, the reality to which the Old Testament tabernacle tent uh, was patterned after. And so, so verse 5 says, uh, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. And then it quotes Exodus 25 where Moses was told to follow the pattern that was shown to him on the mountain. Uh, in other words, th- this was more uh, than verbal instruction. Moses saw something. So what's going on here? Well, the tabernacle itself was an image of the heavenly realm. Uh, There were things uh, coated with gold, uh, pictures of paradise on the walls, uh, the wings of the cherubim hovering over the mercy seat. Um, As a shadow, it wasn't identical uh, with heaven, but it was an approximation of it in God-given symbols and I want you to understand this. It wasn't just a symbol of how salvation works, but of a real place, of God's dwelling place where one day we would also dwell with him. What this tells us is that the tabernacle itself was inherently temporary. Moses knew uh, it was a copy. It, its whole purpose was to point away uh, from itself. It was not permanent, but meant to draw our hearts to what is permanent. And so Jesus, he does not serve uh, in that old uh, symbolic tent, but in the real thing. He has a ministry in heaven. Uh, Some of you might be old enough to remember uh, writing a check. I don't know if that rings a bell for anyone. Um, Jeff Foxworthy used to have a joke about um, owing money to someone and discovering uh, that they would take a check. And he said, oh, I thought you wanted money. Um, It was really funny when I heard it. Um, A check, you know, a check is like a symbol. Um, It doesn't really have any real uh, value as paper, uh, but that doesn't mean it's meaningless, right? Uh, Its value is just dependent on the bank account Uh, that it represents. Well, in the Old Testament, uh, the tabernacle, it really did give uh, what it promised, but only on the basis of what it pointed to, of Christ's ministry uh, in heaven. And so all that for them was, it was uh, provisional. Uh, The the reality had not yet occurred uh, in history Uh, Or or to put it another way, until Christ came, heaven was only a place of promise. But now, because he's taken on flesh, uh, because he lived and still lives as a real human, there is a man in heaven. And things are not how they used to be. 
Now, they weren't, they weren't wrong before, uh, but this great advance in redemptive history has taken place. They had a kind of access, but it was veiled. It was limited. It was mediated through symbols. Only the high priest could enter, and even he could only go in once a year. And even the place he entered was only a copy and a shadow. Our king and priest has entered into heaven. And chapter 2 tells us he is bringing many sons to glory. That is, he entered into heaven that he might bring us with him. He kept covenant that he might minister the covenant to us. Ephesians and Colossians both tell us that even now by faith in him, we are presently drawn into the heavenly places with him. And though now we live by faith, First John tells us one day, one day we will see him and we will be like him. We'll worship God with him and in him and be led by him. Some of you have had the experience of, of going off to college and, and you meet people maybe from other parts of the state or other parts of the country and maybe they just like different music than you or maybe they talk different or, or eat different food than you do or you, or you find out their, their parents uh, didn't deal with them in the same way that your parents do. And slowly, you know, you begin to realize uh, that the world you came from is actually really small. Well, well the reality of heaven teaches us uh, that the world is not all there is. And it's not, just, it's not just an alternative to the things that you already know. It is the reality to which every good thing points us unbroken fellowship with God in Christ. This is what we persevere toward. Uh, Christ's humanity which is now in heaven, uh, it dignifies this world, right? We're reminded that it's our bodies and not just our souls uh, that are being uh, redeemed, but also his ministry in heaven, it relativizes the goods of this world. There is another realm for which we're intended, for which we're being fit, one which Christ is drawing us toward by his spirit. And so if, if, if Jesus Christ is better, right? If he's better than the angels and he's better uh, than Moses and the whole old covenant system and all the rest, well, obviously he is better than this world. Uh, he's better uh, than a hot meal and sleeping in your own bed. He's better uh, than financial independence. He's better than the acceptance of your coworkers. He's better than uh, civility in politics. Fellowship with God in Christ is better than a happy marriage. Uh, it's better than healthy uh, children or a thriving church community everything that is good in this life although truly good pales in comparison to this pearl of great price of fellowship with God uh, in Christ 
And so perseverance, uh, perseverance is not about methods for grinding out our existence in this world. It is about uh, believing that Christ really is uh, who he says he is. He is the king of God's kingdom. It is about resting in his finished work and his ongoing work in our lives. It is about longing uh, to be with him. And so this year, uh, this year, which I have to tell you, it is going to be a lot like last year. Uh, Let us spur one another on to faith and a deep appreciation for who Jesus is. Let us fix our eyes on him.